Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Alrighty, welcome to everybody at our 288 campus, Friendswood campus, Alvin campus, Webster campus. So awesome to have you in church today. It's a little cold outside. By the way, last night I just sang that line. I said, baby, it's cold outside. And my phone, my phone said, here's some information I found about that. <laughs> and I, I thought, what is this? And I looked at it, it said premeditated murder. <laughs> so if anybody ever does a search on my search history, I didn't search that. I didn't search that, all right? But it is cold outside. I'm glad you're inside at church with us today. I'm praying that you have an awesome Thanksgiving this week. And I just want you to know I'm so thankful for you. I, I love this church family. I love, do you love this church family? I love this church family. And we got a lot of just amazing, amazing people that are part of this uh, church, and, and uh, you make it awesome. Thank you, for, thank you for all that you do, and may God bless you greatly this week. I hope that you have a good one. Uh, today we're going to be in John chapter 5, so if you brought your Bible with you or you have a device on which you're going to view the Scripture, this is your head start to go ahead and get to John chapter 5. We'll begin at verse 1 in just a moment. As always, we'll have the scripture here on the screen as well. But before we get there, I want to go here. We just opened up on our website this giving link. Now, we do this every single year. If you give to this year-end missions fund, 100% of what anybody gives to this fund goes outside of our church to, uh, uh, to support organizations that make Christ known, that have that as their primary emphasis and uh, not going to go into much detail today talking about it other than to uh, mention one of those organizations that is Faith Comes By Hearing. We have uh, partnered with them and continue to do so several times now. Uh, hundreds, they, 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 they work with hundreds of uh, Bible translating, Bible pub publishing companies and organizations, and they have this audacious goal as this as this conglomerate of, of Bible translators and so forth. They have this audacious goal of translating, recording, and then delivering the Bible to the whole world in every known language by the year 2033. And uh, the reason that they're recording it is because 70% 70 70 of the world's population lives in oral cultures, meaning they can't read it. And so it needs to be recorded in their own language for them to have access to the Bible. And if you've been around our church for any length of time whatsoever, you know that we're all in on making this a reality to get the whole Bible to the whole world uh, by 2033. And what's awesome about it, and the reason I need to start talking about it, is, is because if we get our gift in before the end of the year, 100% of what our church family gives is going to be matched it's going to be matched. A donor has said that they will match dollar for dollar. So here we go. We're going to, we're going to send uh, a big check, and then, the, and then uh, God is going to do his work through a generous person, and it's going to double. It's going to double. So I'm, I'm excited about it. So. 
So that's, I'm just saying it out loud so you can start praying about it uh, and, and uh, just ask God what he might have you do for this year in missions offering that's coming up uh, over the next month. Okay, so uh, today we're going to continue our Collide series, Encounters with Jesus. This is just another series in our series of series as we're working our way uh, through the book of studying our way through the book of John. And last week Jesus was in Galilee. And I got a quiz for you already in the, in the sermon. Galilee is in the north or south of Israel? In the, in the north, in the north. It's in, it's in the north of Israel. Um, he's about to head south again as he goes back to Judea, which is where Jerusalem is located. Now, I want you to remember something. John left a lot unsaid. He actually told us, he said, you know, I haven't written everything down. I didn't write everything down that Jesus did or said. And, uh, and uh, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he said, these things I did write to you so that you may know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. And the word he used for life there is the word zoe, which refers to a quality of life, a greater quality of life, but also as a reference to the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. So what did John write down in John chapter 5? about this encounter that we're going to study today. What did he give us that's going to help us uh, to get better in our belief, to improve our belief, to get, have a stronger belief in Christ so that we can have this OA kind of life that is promised to us uh, in, in Christ? And the answer to the question that I just asked is a question. John, in this story, gives us a question to think about. And uh, it's a question that uh, we all need to answer. And uh, the way that we answer the question will determine the quality of our life from this point forward. Okay? So let's look at it. John chapter 5. We're going to begin verse 1. Just go through the text uh, uh, kind of quickly here. I was going to say quickly, but you know me, kind of quickly. Verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And uh, Jesus went up, up to Jerusalem. Which uh, for us, again, is counterintuitive like we talked about last week because right now he's up on the map. He's in the northern part of Israel, uh, but now he's going to go on the map down. But John says he's going to go up. He was at Capernaum more than likely, 700 feet below sea level there on the Sea of Galilee, the, the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's going to go to Jerusalem, which is 2,500 feet above sea level. He's about to make a 3,200-foot ascent as he goes up. This is weird, isn't it? He's going up to Jerusalem. And uh, by the way, uh, when, when, uh, and he's going for a feast, okay? So when, when the Jewish folks went to Jerusalem for the feast, they had a, a playbook that they sang songs from. They had a, a, a hit list. What, what do you call that? Road trip tape. They had a, uh, and, and, and the songs were Psalms chapter 120 through Psalm 134. If you're interested in seeing what they sang on the way to Jerusalem, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, those are called the Psalms of Ascent because they sang them on their way as they were ascending to Jerusalem. So if you want to know what Jesus was uh, listening, or you know, the hit list he was playing, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, because he was Jewish, he was headed to the feast, he probably sang these songs as well. Uh, verse 2, uh, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. Now, Beth or Bet, as we talked about early on in our series, uh, means house. It means house. And, and the illustration that I gave back then was 
Bethlehem, which Lehem is bread, so house of bread, Bethlehem. Uh, here's a couple more examples. Bethel, El being the short name for God, like Elohim, but here it's just El. Bethel means house of God. Uh, then we have Bethsaida, which Pastor John talked about a few weeks back, a while back. Bethsaida, Seda means fish, so it's house of fish. Sounds like a smelly house, but it was really a fishing village on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, near, up near the top. That's Bethsaida. Bethpage, page is fig, so house of figs. Bethesda, that we're talking about here, means house of mercy. So somehow, somehow, though we don't know the real details, this pool is associated with a house uh, with mercy. So it was called the house of mercy. And, uh, and, and this is an important verse that you're looking at on the screen right here. This is, a, this is an important verse in the history of proving the authenticity of the Bible. And the reason I say that is for scriptures, uh, critics pounced on this verse. Critics of the Bible pounced on this verse because they said the Bible cannot be true because there is zero archaeological evidence to back up this verse. This verse that says that there was a pool and there was a structure around it with five roofed colonnades. It's, it can't be true. The Bible can't be true. No evidence whatsoever until, uh, until 1911. 1911, they were doing some excavating there uh, near the Sheep Gate. Guess what they found? Hmm, they found remnants of a pool. Don't you love how the more they dig, the more this book proves itself to be true? God proves this book to be true. And so by the 1950s, they had done enough digging there that they had discovered what they say now is the pool of Bethesda mentioned in John chapter 5. And, and here, here is a picture of the ruins that are there uh, nowadays. Um, and I've been here a few times and it's awesome. It doesn't look like much to us because this is 2,000 years of demolition and then rebuilds. Demolition and rebuilds. That's how they did it. Knock it down, build something on top of it. Knock it down, use the bricks to build something else and so forth. And so it gets all messed up, but the, the experts can dig down. They can tell what was where and what's original and what was built onto and what's debris and all of that. And, and after doing all of this research, they are able to confirm that there was a pool there and there was a structure that more than likely looked like this. Now, this is a picture of the model city in Jerusalem. It's a city on like an acre, but it's a scale size model of the old city of Jerusalem. So this is little. I mean, it's a big, it's a big model, but this is a part of it right here. This is what they say the pool of Bethesda more than likely looked like. And here you have the entrance and exit sides of the, of the structure. But then around it, you have, you have uh, roofed colonnades. You have one, two, three, four, five roofed colonnades. This one is a pass through. You can see through to the other side of it, but there you go. This is what they believe now that it looked like there uh, back in the day, back in Jesus' time 2,000 years ago. Now, <clears throat> I wish I had a, a, a picture further out uh, because this is the Temple Mount right here, uh, the northern wall of the temple. And so you think about this, hundreds of thousands of people come to this site uh, every year back in the day and, and uh, uh, on many occasions bringing a sacrifice, a lamb for a sacrifice. Also, the temple flocks were this direction. This would be kind of down this way toward Bethlehem. 
which is where the temple flocks were kept, which is why Luke chapter 2 says there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night. That's where the temple flocks were located in that part of the world. So a lot of sheep coming into the city from this direction. So they designated this gate right here as the sheep gate. This is, they didn't want sheep coming in all around the city. So they designated that the sheep would come in one particular gate. And it's in the foreground here. You can't really, you can't really see it, but I took a picture of it for you when I was there. This is the sheep gate. <clears throat> And uh, if you Google this now, you're going to find that it's called the Lion's Gate because it has lions carved into the top of it right here. But those lions weren't from 2,000 years ago. That, that, actually happened in, that actually happened in the 1500s during the Crusades when the Muslims won a battle and the dude had a vision or so he says. And so they carved lions in the wall there at that particular gate. Now that gate is called the Lion's Gate. But uh, I don't know if I'm giving you too much information. And then the reason I say that is because I've been to Bible college and I'm sitting there in Bible college and a professor's up there and he's showing pictures after picture after picture. My eyes are glazing over and I want to go to sleep so bad. I'm like, boring. Uh, just let me go do ministry. Get me out of this classroom, please. And, and I hope that I'm not doing that to you. I, but what I'm hoping is happening is that I'm giving you uh, just enough of the backstory, uh, just enough uh, the geography, just enough of the archaeology that's available to help you to once again understand that this Bible is not just a collection of fictitious stories that somebody put on some magic glasses and sat under a tree and wrote down. This is uh, stories about real people in real places. And we see that in the archaeology. In fact, um, Luke chapter 19, verse, verse 40 um, uh, Jesus is coming into the city on a, on a donkey. It's, uh, it's, it's Palm Sunday. People are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the religious leader said, hey, you need to tell your followers to tone it down a little bit. You need to tell them to be quiet. And Jesus' reply was this. He said, I tell you the truth. If they are silent, if my followers are silent, even the rocks will cry out that my testimony is true. And I believe that's what's happening on occasions like this when the rocks cry out that his word is true. Amen. Amen. So, okay, that's my tangent. Back to the text. So what's happening on this particular day at the pool of Bethesda? We're at verse 3 now. We're going to make it through these verses, I promise. In these, in these what? The, the roofed colonnades lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. <clears throat> so the pool has become a place where people who are unable to walk or to help themselves kind of spend their days. Okay, so that's verse 3. We, we, we get the setup now. If you have your Bible open, uh, look at verse 4. Have your Bible open, look at verse 4. Anybody want to tell me what they see? What do you see? Nothing, right? There's nothing there. There's nothing. In fact, if you don't have your Bible open, I'll show you what verse 4 looks like. <laughs> it literally goes from verse 3 to verse 5, unless you have a King James Version. I'll explain this real quick. Why isn't verse 4 there? Well, uh, the most reliable New Testament manuscripts that we have are the oldest ones. We have 5,600, 5,600 
of those old manuscripts dating back to within 100 years of the actual events. They did not have printing presses back in the day. They did not have copy machines. Everything was done by hand. All the copies were made by hand. So somewhere after those original ones were found, the ones that date back to within 100 years, 5,600 of them, somewhere along the line when someone was copying, uh, uh, I think trying to be helpful, every now and then somebody would add a phrase or something in. We can easily spot those things because we have the ones that are the oldest and most reliable. So our modern translations have actually left those verses out or those phrases out of today's scripture, leaving us with a more accurate version of the Bible. Most Bibles just have a footnote right there. This is my Bible that I read each day at home. This is the New International Version. We're using the English Standard Version on the screen. This is the New International Version. Verse 3, if you can see right here, I drew a line accidentally on verse 3, but it says here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. That's verse 3. Verse 4 just has a bracket right there with a footnote, B, and then verse 5. So verse 4 is not in there. Um, if you were to look at the footnote, it would say the oldest and most reliable translations do not include verse 4. That's it. And they don't put it. So what did verse 4 actually say? I don't have it memorized, but I know kind of what it says. It says, an angel of the Lord stirred up the water, and the first one in the water got healed. That's what it said. That is not in the oldest and most reliable manuscripts. Therefore, our translators and scholars throughout the years have omitted it. They just put a footnote where that is, which means, and I hope, you, I hope that you, this gives you some peace of mind, the Bibles that we have now more closely match the original manuscripts that we have available to us, which I hope helps you to understand how dependable the Bible is that you have. Now comes the collision, verse 5. <clears throat> One man was there at the pool of Bethesda who had been an invalid for 38 years. So 38 years is a big part of this story. The length of time. It's been a long time. 38 years is a long time, isn't it? 38 years ago, I was still in school. 38 years ago, our church wasn't in existence. 38 years ago, Ronald Reagan was president. 38 years ago, the Soviet Union was still in existence. 38 years ago, most of you who were around back then looked like you were in an episode of Stranger Things. Um, can you imagine seeing somebody lay in the same place for 38 years? Like, like, let's say it was at your work and you went through the same door at work. Day one, you get to that work, you've been hired, and, and you start to open the door, there's a dude laying right by the door. You're like, what's up? He's like, what's up? And you go in the door. Two days, three days, 10 days, 100 days, 10 years later, every day, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> decades, three decades. Eight more years, dude is still, that's a long time, isn't it? A very long time, which is kind of heartbreaking when you think about it that way. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd been there a long time, God had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Do you want this? Another translation says, do you want to get well? which is the title of today's sermon, by the way. Do you want to get well? <clears throat> now, it seems like an odd question to a guy who's been laying there for 38 years. But it's an important one that we're going to see today as we come back to that in just a few moments. Verse 7. 
The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. So this verse is in the oldest and most reliable manuscripts that we have, though it does not give credit to an angel, nor does it say that the process actually worked. But for 38 years, this man has been believing something about the water. Something about the water is his best shot. But so far, it hasn't worked. It seems like he's believing an old tale that just wasn't true, but he saw no other option. And then he has this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus says to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Now, I want you to notice, there's been no demonstration of faith by this man whatsoever. No demonstration of faith. It appears that this is just Jesus showing that he has the power. He's got power over creation. He's got power over all of sickness. He's got power over all disease. Somebody say amen if you're with me on that. He's just got the power. Uh, This guy, I'm sure, missed all of Jesus' appearances, all of his sermons, all of his miracles because he's unable to get around. He does not even know who Jesus is, as we're going to see in just a few moments. But here Jesus is demonstrating his power. Jesus gives him three commands. One of them doesn't really make sense. He says, get up. That makes sense if he's been down, and that's the problem. He's down, and he wants to get up. So get up makes sense. Walk makes sense. He's been laying there for 38 years. He wants to walk, so that's part of the process. Here you go. It's the command in the middle. Take up your bed. Take up your bed. This is the command that's about to cause trouble. Why? Because we're going to find out in just a moment it's the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day, no one was supposed to work. Carrying your mat was against the many man-made rules surrounding the Sabbath that the religious leaders had made up. And I am not saying here, nor am I implying that Jesus set him up to get in trouble. But I am saying Jesus was teaching everyone that the Sabbath was about him and that he was greater than the Sabbath. Verse 9. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. So just like Jesus said, now that day was the Sabbath. So it's the Sabbath. This is verse 9. How long before you think he gets in trouble? Verse 9. He took up his bed and he walked. Three, two, One. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Wow. Dude's been laying there for 38 years. And what do they care about? They care about the fact that he's carrying his bed that he's been laying on for 38 years. How many many of you think that's kind of sad right there? The, The priorities are mixed up there. Now, What he says makes me think that he does not know Jesus at all. Verse 11. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that's the guy. That's the guy who said to me, take up your bed and walk. And here's a by the way here. He blamed Jesus for getting in trouble after he was healed. Before he was healed, he blamed other people for not putting him into the pool. This guy's not owning anything. Okay, just, just a comment. I'm not preaching right there. I've just made a comment. (laughs) Verse 12, they ask him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Uh, Verse 13, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, didn't know who Jesus was. For Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, 
see your well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. So sin no more. Jesus is asking for a change in his life, in his thinking, in his behavior, in his attitude perhaps, uh, so that there can be lasting change in his life. Now, let me say this out loud. Not all sickness is related to our own personal sin. Some, some, some things happen to us because we live on a fallen planet and people get sick and bad things happen to good people. But sometimes our behavior, and this is a spiritual point as illustrated by the, by the physical here, <clears throat> sometimes our behavior or our thinking contributes to our inability to get up and grow and do what Jesus wants us to do. Sometimes the problem is here and here. And thinking in those terms, this is a very, very spiritual question that we need to ask ourselves. All of us need to ask ourselves, do we want to get well? Do, do we want our faith to go, grow stronger? Do we want to have uh, better relationships? Do we want our financial situation to improve? Maybe it's uh, uh, caring for our bodies. Do we want to be healthier? Maybe it's an addiction that we've been struggling with. Do we want to get over the addiction? And most of us would say, no brainer, no brainer. Of course, I want things to be better in my life. What's the alternative? Well, actually, people typically choose the alternative. And there are a few of them. Let me show you uh, what I'm talking about here. First one is this, do we want to get well or do we want to make excuses? This guy started with an excuse. Jesus said, do you want to get well? He said, well, truth is, nobody helps me get into the pool. Now imagine for 38 years, you're still in the same place. You're you're still making the same excuse for 38 years. I mean, if I was counseling the dude, I probably would have said, why don't we try uh, laying on the edge of the pool? Why don't we try that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not meaning to be hard-hearted, but I'm just saying. He can move a little bit. He said, when I'm trying to get down there, somebody else you know, gets down the steps before me. Let's just start on the last step. You know? And then if you see the water stirred, if it, if it actually worked, then you just roll in there. Just roll in the water. <laughs> I hope that's not hard-hearted, but I'm just saying, how many of you, 38 years, you would have figured out something? You figured out something? Like, like, a, like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one of my friends and uh, have them sit with me for a week, and, and if I get healed, if they throw me in the water, and I get healed, I'm going to give them my pay for the next year. Will you come and sit with me for a week, take a week off of work? And I would have figured out something. I would have built a slide. I would have done... If it worked, if it worked, I'm not saying it worked, but if it worked, and, and, and probably most of us, when we do the math, and we're like, 38 years, 38 years, that's a lot of time to think of something, that's a lot of time, but then, but then, but then how many of us are in the same financial situation this year that we were last year and the year before that and the year before that? Do you want to get well? How many of us are struggling with the same bad habits, the same sins, struggling with the same issues? 
may be overcome by the same addictions that we've been dealing with for years and years and possibly even decades. How many of us have prayed, Lord, fix this? And then when somebody asks us about that issue, instead of taking responsibility, we say, well, you know, it's just the way I am. It's the way I am. Nobody helps me. I'm kind of a victim over here, you know. I would like to, but nobody, 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 somebody else. My boss is working me too hard. My boss doesn't pay me enough. There's this donut shop that moved in close to my house. Um, there's so many temptations nowadays. Everywhere I look, you know, I'm tempted, and, uh, and there's so many temptations on TikTok, so I just keep scrolling past them. And I keep scrolling and keep scrolling and seeing them and seeing them and seeing them or Instagram or whatever else. In other words, we choose excuses over getting better spiritually. So let me ask the question again. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Or do you want to make excuses? Here's another one. Do we want to get well? Or are we unwilling to do anything different? Are we unwilling to do anything different? We've all seen people in their lives who claim that they want something different for their lives, but then they go out and do the same things that they've always done. It's like, I wish my financial situation would improve. I've, had, I've been struggling. I've been struggling. How long? 38 years. 38 years I've been struggling with my finances. Uh, and and uh, it's weird because I don't buy things unless they're on sale. And um, every sale, every sale I'm there trying to save money and... <clears throat> But the same thing could be said for all of us. We want our marriage to get better, but then we treat our spouse the exact same way. We say we want better, but then we go do the same things we've always done that have gotten us into the same situation where we've always been for far too long. And I've got tough love for you today, but I hope that's okay because I do really love you. Some of us, I think, don't really want to get better spiritually because that would require changes. Listen to me, nothing will change in your life until you're willing to make some changes in your life. Do you want to get well? Then number three, do we want to get well, meaning are we willing to follow Jesus? Are we willing to follow Jesus? This guy got in trouble immediately after he got healed, not because he got healed, but because according to the Jewish leaders, he was breaking the law by carrying his mat. I'm sure he knew it was the Sabbath. He could tell by looking around that it was the Sabbath. Maybe he knew that he would be spotted immediately because he'd be the only guy that was carrying anything on that particular day. Now, please understand that the law that he was breaking was a man-made law. It wasn't a, a part of God's law. <clears throat> And so you got religion out there, religion. You got everybody doing things the same way. Here comes Jesus and says, I want you to do something different. I want you to do something different. But everybody else do something different. But, it, but do something different. Now, the religious leaders of the day were supposed to be pointing people to the Messiah. He was right in their midst, <clears throat> but they missed him because they were too busy focusing on their stupid commands, their stupid rules. But this guy, for his part, he did what Jesus asked him to do. He got up and he took up his bed. Now that's part of getting better spiritually that we cannot ignore today. We do what Jesus asks us to do. 
We can, we, can, we, can, we can tell everybody we want to get well, but question, are you doing what he asked you to do? Are you doing what Jesus wants you to do? And there's a lot of examples I could use. Let me scroll through a few here. One would be um, maybe you know you need some Christian counseling, like things are not right. Things are not right in you and the people around you are not trained. They love you, but they, they, can't, they can't help you. They can't fix what needs to be talked about inside of you. And maybe it's time for Christian counseling, but you're like, no, 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 no. That may be a take up your mat kind of moment for you. Maybe it's joining a life group. Like instead of flying solo in this life and doing things on your own that you allow other people to come around you and you get around other people and you you help them, they help you. And maybe it's a corner group. One of our corner groups, which are our support groups here at church. Maybe Jesus wants you to get in one of those. Maybe he wants you to get an accountability partner or two with the issue that you've had for some time. Somebody who can ask you tough questions. Maybe Maybe he wants you to go through something like Financial Peace University so that you can learn to manage your money according to the principles that are found in God's word. Maybe he wants you to take a break from social media and pay attention to your spouse or your family for a while or your relationship with him. Maybe he wants you to change how much you eat out. Maybe he wants you to... uh, I don't know, get prayed for by the prayer partners at church. Maybe every week when we say, hey, prayer partners are available, you're thinking, man, I I could use some prayer support. I really could, but everybody else is going this way, and if I carry my mat and go this way, they're going to notice me, they're going to see me, and they're going to wonder what's up. And I'm saying, pick up your mat. If Jesus is telling you to do that, then maybe that's something that you need to do today. We need to pay attention to what it is that Jesus is asking us to do. Maybe your marriage is not what your marriage is supposed to be right now. Maybe it's not great. Do you want it to get well? Then I can guarantee you that there's something that Jesus wants you to do differently to make it a reality. Maybe there's uh, somebody in your life that you need to forgive. Somebody that did something to you. They really, really did something to you. They really, really hurt you, but it's been a while now. And, 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 and you, you haven't gotten over it. You haven't let it go. You haven't forgiven them. Somebody asks you about it. You're like, I can never forgive them. I can never, ever forgive them for what they did to me. How long has it been? 38 years. I think it's time. I think it's time. Let me ask you a question. Those, those maybe who are with us today who have unforgiveness in your heart, do you want to get well? If you want to get well, then it's time to pick up your bed. That's the bed, the mat that Jesus is asking you to pick up. And I'm just saying, don't make excuses. Don't, no more excuses. Be willing to change. And, and maybe for someone today, the answer is to stop fooling yourself and trying to get into the pool yourself and instead give your life completely to Jesus. Maybe for someone today at one of our campuses, it's time to get baptized talking about getting into the pool. Maybe it's time to let somebody else lead you into the pool and you get baptized today. I know it's a cold day. It's probably a wrong day to think about this kind of thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. I will, I will follow that up with all of our baptistries have heaters. It's like being in a hot tub. You won't want to get out. But maybe that's something that you need to do. Maybe, maybe you've never really given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. 
Jesus, who loved you so much, he came and gave his life on the cross for you. Listen, ultimately, you cannot have the Zoe life and eternal life without him. So if you haven't given your life completely, 100% to him, it's time. This could be, could be the moment of your salvation. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, please? All right, let me pray for you and then let you go. And uh, before I even pray, I just want to say have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope that you can join us back next week as stated family-friendly services, but we're having a movie series kind of movie. Uh, in the auditorium. So it's, uh, hopefully it'll be a treat for you and your family. Uh, so come back next week. Let's bow. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your grace on our lives. Thank you that sometimes even when we don't get it, you still offer to heal us and to, to make us whole in you. I praise you, God, that you do a work in us even when we are still laying on the mat, Lord. That you, that you care enough about us to approach us, to push us, to, to challenge us, Lord. And I pray that today we've been challenged and we'll take you up on that challenge. I pray all this in the blessed name of your son, Jesus, and all the people said. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.